This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that appreciates the dancing abilities of one edward allen harris my name is greg d (laughs) don't let go and i'm genius mcgee (laughs) and on today's episode we're once again getting grody to the max as we head into the mouth of march madness and travel back 40 years to talk the horror classics from our 1982 bracket. Yes! And whether or not you've been mugged on 42nd Street, you can listen to our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Tom Atkins twofer hole. <laughs> I I don't know what that is quite... I, I, I now I'm thinking about it too much at this point. But it smells of hooch. It is. Whatever it is, it smells of hooch, and it rocks a mustache. <laughs> and whether or not you are rocking or wearing a mustache, uh, you can find us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and the glorious 80s shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Monday, March 7th. Time to go to work. Wake up. That's right. And you can head over to screenland.com where they're going to have your uh, workman-like shenanigans taken care of indoors. And virtually because it is fucking cold. Yes, it is. And it should be noted we're recording this particular episode way in advance of Mm -hmm. March 7th at this point. So it is truly important to be following us out on social media to find out what's going on at Screenland. Right, because right now, we don't know. Well, no, technically. Actually, we do. We do. In fact, we don't know when and where things are going to be happening, but I will just say this. Every Friday Night Fright in the month of March Mm -hmm. will feature a film that we've either mentioned via honorable mention or a film that is competing directly in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Yeah, we got you covered because we got some goodens. And there are quite a few of these that will definitely be enhanced by seeing it up on the big screen. Mm-hmm. But it is even more important to be up on social media because that is where the official bracket is posted. Okay, how are you going to play along? And uh, hopefully you are still sending those in, your completed brackets, and as Genius would say, make sure... Yeah, you show your work. Because it's that time of the year where we are showing the work, Genius. Exactly. It's you, not the most wonderful time of the year, it's the most working time of the it's year. It's the most stressful time of the year, because <laughs> you said it off mic, you're like, God, I can't believe we're doing this again. And it, be, it just seems like we did it yesterday. Right, right. The whole... Watching the movies and getting everything ready and all that stuff. It's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. But it's 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 always well worth the effort that goes into it. Especially this, especially for this bracket, because this bracket is rad as shit. Well, and we're going back 40 years, and now we are technically three years removed from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But even though we're three years removed, I can still feel 
the veneer of the 70s and this year's crop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's even like there's um, classic 70s locations. There's 70s music. There's 70s all over the place. But we also have some stuff that is very distinctly 80s that is really finding its own voice. And let's also face it. The year of 1982, outside of the world of horror, as we mentioned in the selection episode, is one of the best years for genre films because yes. any year that gives us both The Beastmaster and Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> right. that's a great year. But here we are looking at eight films from it's the year of 1980. <laughs> <laughs> well, here in the in the in, into the mouth of March Madness, it is to crush your enemies, and, and see the, them driven, driven before, before you, you, and hear lamentations of the women. That is correct. That that is good. I'm afraid my sons will never understand me. <laughs> no, uh, obviously, here in the first round, eventually we're going to break these eight films down into four, but we don't do it half-heartedly at no. all. Uh, as Genius says, we... We're show, showing our work. We do, and we actually go with two criteria in each round. And here in the first round, we're establishing a couple of things, ideally. Number one, we like to think holistically, mm-hmm. and we like to think with both the heart... And the head. Right. So the two criteria we look at is we ask which of the two films is closer to the heart. Closer to the heart. Yeah. Ah, almost there. Almost there. We, we've got four more episodes, my friend. <laughs> and then on the opposite side of that, we look with the head and a little bit logical and we ask which of the two films is a better representation of the bracket topic. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the bracket topics, let's get into our first battle here and our first bracket topic. And <laughs> again, thank you, Chad. Yes, for beloved. the beaded for the beaded curtain, friend of the show, fucking Chad Fu, coming in with the sleaze. And so, any time we show a sleazy film uh-huh. at Friday Night Frights, you're gonna get the beaded curtain, and it's so wonderful because that's kind of your clue of what's to come. So when you go through the theater door and there's nothing there, you're probably not going to be seeing anything salacious mm-hmm. or anything that you might be feeling a little weary afterwards. Right. But no, when the beaded curtains come down, you're going to see some shit. Unless we don't know. Unless it's surprise shit that we just might throw it in there. We'll, we'll call that the surprise beaded curtain kind there of film. Go. There we go. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, though. If you were going to a double feature of the first battle in the year of 1982, you'd have to walk through a beaded curtain. Oh, yeah. And our first bracket topic. The Battle of 42nd Street. <laughs> the fabled 42nd Street in New York that highlight highlighted all the grindhouse movies mm-hmm. all the grindhouse repertory you know all theaters the exploitation you can see you there was horror exploitation nunsploitation there was hardcore porn i mean just it was the wild west of cinema well that i was going to say that's not even the cinema that's the people that are hanging outside exactly. waiting to get in to see the movies because they mentioned the kind of mythology of 42nd street as it wasn't necessarily a safe place to no, be. No, not at all. But it was the only place you yes, could see some really rad movies, some still movies that hold up to this day. And every time you see filthy New York, anytime you see 80s New York where they're always talking about, yeah, the rats are fucking huge over here, you know? And every, you, you see the landlord coming out, the dirty beater, just like just everything is just 
old school 80s, that is 42nd Street. That is my favorite New York. I was almost, when I went to New York back, this was a long time ago, right? But comparative, I think it was like 2010, 11. So it was not that 42nd no. Street, New York. I was disappointed. I'm walking around, like waiting for people, like, hey, come on in. We got movies here. You want to see some hot girls? You want to see some action adventure? You know, just see the, the hawkers, right? And I'm like walking around, and there's like, fucking goofy ass elmo or there's like you know, the hawkers are like hawking rotis uh, artisan buns so it or like ipas like, and i'm like man what the fuck so you're not getting like a strung out elmo right that that's later okay. that's later now i don't know what it is now like i said it was back in 2012 a no, lot of shit has changed since 2012 but that is very true a lot of shit has changed since 1982 as well but you will hear people harken back to those days and there are a couple of films that we're going to be looking at in the battle of 42nd street by two 42nd street godfathers authentic filmmakers from new york we're looking at Q the Winged Serpent, or mm -hmm. better known as Quetzalcoatl, going up against Frank Henenlotter's Basket Case. Yes, Larry Cohen versus Frank Henenlotter. Mm -hmm. That's 42nd Street. This is the perfect way to kick off the madness. Well, <laughs> quite honestly, looking at these two films, and what I love looking at the entirety of the eight films we're, we're looking at here, we're now 300 some odd episodes into the podcast. Mm hmm. There are several of these that we've done entire episodes for, but they're not the ones you would think of. <laughs> so I don't know necessarily where our priorities are here, genius. Right. But which of the two shall we start with here? Ooh, let's do Q. Let's do Q. And you know what? We actually did Q mm -hmm. here in last in the month of June last year as part of Kaijun, mm -hmm. which was such a wonderful rewatch so awesome i've always loved that movie i saw that movie in the theater back in the day i was excited to see some like ooh, i know of quetzalcoatl the winged serpent right i was young but my so did my mom and she also took me to cool stuff like that and so we would always go see it and i remember the poster vividly it used to freak me out it was rad and to this day it's a perfect larry cohen movie because there's some insane shots going on that wasn't supposed to take place. He is the guerrilla filmmaker of the time where... You of still to this day, there's not a lot of people saying Sasha Baron Cohen no. that would pull off shit, you know? We don't talk about Bruno, but we talk about... Well, because there <laughs> we, are several Borat. shots where they're on top of like the Chrysler building shooting... And shells are raining down. On people. On unsuspected people. Right? Some of them just reacting as, eh, another yeah. day in New York. But some like, dude. Oh, shit, right? And when that's another day in New York, that's the kind of New York I miss. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the kind of like crazy, filthy New York. that's like, yeah, uh, you got to be tough to be New Yorker, you know? So I dig that. Plus the fact, so you got that going on, right? You got the fact that it's a Latin American god. Right. So, boom, check mark. Then you got the fact that you got, again, another Larry Cohen staple. You got wonderful characters being naturally funny and the background characters being extremely hilarious. The background characters in this one, that was one of the best surprises when going back to that movie. And they're just they're they de they deserve their own SAG cards. Yeah. They, I want to go and ex I want to find out what's happening in the. I need like a Rosencrantz and Gildestern movie some, with some, some of, of those. the characters, some of the background characters. Plus, you have uh, Kane and Shaft, 
and you have Mel. You know what I'm saying? So a Mel, a Mel sighting is right? always worth fucking. It's rad as shit. And then the kills are great and gnarly. The like Michael Moriarty kills oh, it. Well, it's it's Michael Moriarty. It's Michael fucking Moriarty. When does and he not kill it? When he collaborates with Larry Cohen, magic is made. And it might be jazz. Yeah. Um. The stop motion animation, as done by David Allen, who would go on to work in, amongst other things, the Puppet Master, brings Q to life, mm-hmm. and it's that charming as all get out stop motion animation. Yeah, and you know, it's lights reflecting off of it. You know, it's tangible. It's because there. if you do well, Q nowadays, it's going to be CGI. It's going to look fucking rad, but it's not going to be as charming. No, not at all. And I don't think you can replicate what Larry Cohen and all of them did with the guerrilla filmmaking, mm-hmm. with those character actors, with the kooky characters in the background. And that's what makes this uniquely a New York film. A, a just, again, a, mo- a giant monster a giant movie. A monster movie, yeah. It's so many wonderful things, and then some. But I even remember the VHS cover. It's, it's just- rad as shit. I remember when it was just the Q. And it's like, Q. That's all you need. That's all you'll have time for before it kills you. And it just had that. It looked like a fucking prototype of the Lannister banister. Yes, it did. It Not deserved the Lannister, to be on the, the Targaryens. Si- Some things deserve to be on the side of a van. That deserve, definitely deserved to be on the side of a flag. It was rad. It's, it's a it's, big bloody Q that looked like a dragon. It's incredible. It's incredible. So uh, other thoughts on Q before we head across the street on 42nd Street. <laughs> to, to the, the next dirty theater. Yeah. We have to like, you just hear us. <laughs> Because they're like sticking to the floor and shit. <laughs> now, this is one that because the fact that we were able to devote an entire episode to, I don't want to say we're going to you know, go over the same material, but definitely go back to that one. But we've never devoted an episode to Basket Case. I know. we've. That's weird. And for such an odd franchise. But we, but we have discussed Basket Case 2 mm-hmm. in last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Um, but we've never, again, never devoted anything. And it's bizarre because we recently had a chance to screen it at Friday Night Frights. Breaking out the beaded curtain. Oh, we thank, again, thank you, Chad. But the fact that it opens with the fact it, that it's uh, part of the museum of, of, na- of, of art, of modern, modern art. Cinema. Yeah. yeah. That's, in, that's in the archives, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So think about that when you experience basket case do you remember your initial interactions with that vhs was it absolutely vhs i remember picking it up at a blockbuster on a friday night saying okay let's hear what all the buzz is about because it's notorious basket case is notorious it wasn't i've seen that for back in the day can you just what's in the basket what's in the basket oh everyone it's, knew it's that some weird freak that eats people cool right it's not all it, it's the pieces you know exactly what it is it doesn't make any qualms about what it wants to be and so I finally, it was at Blockbuster. I rented it and I was like, this movie is weird. I dig it a lot, you know, because I was like maybe 18, 19. And so finally, like, I saw a basket case and fucking ate it up with a spoon. I'm like, this movie is so dumb, but so wonderfully dumb. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what I was thinking back then. But it is a, it's doesn't take itself seriously it knows what it is and it's this big puppet monster and again you have seeing it on the big screen the whole stop motion animation of belial is charming but he's a creep he's you don't oh, root for him at all no. but he is charming 
That's the one thing. At least, you know, with Michael Moriarty's character, even though he's a bad guy technically. He's, he's trying to do good. Right. Not Belial. Not Dwayne. Well, Dwayne is. Kind of, sort of. And it becomes, it's a revenge film. It's a twin film. It's so many different things. Right. It's low budget. It's independent filmmaking. Again, guerrilla filmmaking. Blood everywhere. Oh. People just yelling and screaming. And, and some of the, <laughs> I don't want to. I appreciate the line readings on a lot of the people there, especially the um, the, the hotel manager. He just, What's fucking going on up there? That entire crew that he's got with. Um, now, granted, we don't have as many good background extras, but when Dwayne's walking down 42nd Street. Hanging dong or not hanging dong? The first time when he's just hanging basket and that guy rolls up to him. And just starts listing. I've hey, got. You, I got. I got meth. I got crack. I got LSD. TC. What do you want? I got hookers. I got blow. I got this. I got that. You want amphetamines? Uppers, downers, poppers, lefters, riders. What do you want? And he goes, "Ah, oh, fuck you!" And then just kind of walks away. I'm still not unconvinced that wasn't just some dude. That Random up ass to him. dude. One of the hawkers on 42nd Street. It's just all, it's all sorts of good. Um, now, Frank Henenlotter himself actually did the stop animation, stop motion animation for Belial. And the puppetry of the hand. And the fact that it was filmed, the nightclub was filmed in a, a sex shop. They yep. just kind of put all the dongs to the one side just to let everybody use the dance. And then they use that for other sets, too. So, I mean, like, yeah, the, it, it feels like it was filmed in a sex shop. The whole, like, Belial, uh, spoilers for Basket Case, the whole, like, I guess murder and I guess rape of of very assaulty. Yeah, very assaulty. It's hard to say it if because it's just Belial and we don't know how Belial do, but we do know that it's gross. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's unsettling. It makes you uncomfortable. Still to this day, and it's just you know it's a little stop motion puppet, but it's again it's tangible, and that's the thing when we're looking forty years back. But it's also a hoot. It's hard oh. to say that after it's very salty, the movie is still like fun and goofy and vile. Well, it establishes, you know, Q is very much a Larry Cohen movie. Basket Case is very much a Frank Hanlotter film. It's a very Hanlotter movie, especially because you have creatures, you have um, wild death scenes, like not just regular a slash to the gut. You have insaneness, and you have. Odd creatures running around. Oh, yeah. I love Hen and Lauder's shit. I was just waiting for, like, hey there, pal. I liked it in Basket Case when Dwayne and Belial makes a cameo and appearance. Brain damage, yeah. I was like, well done. Well, the, 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 the Hen and Lauder verse. The, it has to exist. So, you know, somewhere back there, you know, there's, what's in the basket? Right? It's me there, pal. You know, they're like, hey, I like this. I'm going to hang out there, Belial. Let me give you some of this juice. Right? Or like, Want a date? You know, Frank and Hooker's carrying around the basket with everybody. They need to have, like, yeah, the Hen and Lauder, the Hen and Lauder crew. Well, you know, he had a lot of issues making Basket Case 3, so I don't think he really wants to necessarily return to that universe. Such but a wild franchise, though, because I've seen Basket Case 2, or three, two mm-hmm. and 3, and, yeah, the police siege in 3 is great. And the fact that it, it, but the musical number in 2 is weird. Well, that's the lady from Superman 3, actually, in part 2. Which I didn't really? realize at first. The yeah. sister, the yeah. one that like Cronenberg did. Yeah. Oh wow, cyber cyber Cronenberg. Right, right. Long live the new flesh, regardless of its tangible form. Now, obviously, we have a lot of love for both of these films, but only one can make it into the round of the Scream sixteen. So we've got two bits of criteria that we are going to be talking here to see which one goes into the next round. Of course. The first question we're going to ask is which of the two films is closer to your heart? 
So genius, between Q and Basket Case, which one gives you the most nostalgia? Which Q. one is? Oh. Absolutely oh. Q. <laughs> Q. Q all the way with this one for that uh, heart, because I love that movie. Uh, that movie, it's a giant monster movie, a giant Mexican kaiju, you know? It's rad. It just speaks to me. It speaks to me. So for heart, I got to go Q. And honestly, this goes to the power of seeing something in the theater versus seeing it at home. And I only saw both of these at home. So my nostalgia going closer to the heart goes to the strength of those VHS covers. And I got to say, Basket Case is pretty great. But Q is magical. The painting, like the whole matte painting of it, it looks like it should be velvet. It's quite good. It's quite good. So my vote is also going to go with Q on that. Now, from the heart to the head, the Mm -hmm. bracket topic is the Battle of 42nd Street. And this is where we have to, you know, get a little bit uh, more abstract potentially. But genius, between Q and Basket Case, who wins the Battle of 42nd Street? When I think of 42nd Street and everything it represents the filthiness of it, the vileness of it, the wonderful aspects of it. I think I get all of that in basket case. Basket case is more indicative to me what 42nd Street is. Larry Cohen, guerrilla filmmaking style, while he is definitely a a staple, I think he kind of goes beyond 42nd Street and makes movies about New York. I think basket case is a movie about 42nd Street. That is fair. That is fair. And I had a really hard time kind of breaking this one down. But quite honestly, it came down to one thing, genius. It came down to which of the two films is brave enough to truly embrace the absurdity of 42nd Street and let one of the characters hang Hang dong. And only in one (laughs) film did one character hang dong on 42nd Street. And I think because of that, Basket Case gets my vote in the Battle of 42nd Street, which does mean... Uh-oh, we have a tie. We have a tie, which, in case of a tie, we do have a little bit of a tiebreaker here. On the now, cover of the Yo-Fango, gonna get a copy for my mother. Gonna watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the Yo-Fango. Very nice. I was going to give you a second to prepare and pause it so you could break that out, but man, you're ready to go. Always. Always. Well, of course, we do look to the cover of Fangoria Magazine in case of a tiebreaker to see which of the two films, if they appeared on the cover of Fangoria, and in this case, Basket Case does show up in the film thread. We have nothing with Q, which means Belial... (laughs) Dwayne are making their way into the round of the Scream 16 by winning the battle of 42nd Street. You know, I have to say, I, I the the right champion was crowned. <laughs> However, I am extremely heartbroken with that decision right now. I kind of want to say, like, ah, you know, because I love Q. Q is Q is my boy, so. We're not saying that basket nothing case nothing against is a basket case, nothing against, no. but it won the battle of Forty Second Street, and that was my topic. So I can't the 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 to the victor go the spoils, but I wish it would have gone better. 
you know? We're going to have Michael Moriarty play a little piano on the way out play for us him. Play us out, Michael. Hey, I like that jazz music you play. Oh, yeah? Fuck you. <laughs> so if you can, check out Q. <laughs> but, of course, congrats to Basket Case moving on to the next round. Now, our second matchup and our second bracket topic is going to be a lot of fun. And quite honestly, this genre is no stranger to Into the Mouth of March Madness. In mm-hmm. fact, this particular genre has actually won an Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm-hmm. If you go back to 2019, from the year of 1979... Kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, no. <laughs> the matchup was in space. Space, no one can hear you. Kitty, 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 kitty. But unfortunately, Audition lost out to Ridley Scott's Alien mm-hmm. and... We love space horror. Absolutely. But, Sci-fi horror is the shit. Yes, yes. That is definitely one of those things, I think, along with like horror comedies, anthologies. Chocolate and, peanut butter. Yes. Mm-hmm. In your wheelhouse. So our bracket topic, very simple. It came from outer space. <laughs> and the, what's great in the year of 1982, we <laughs> in the year of 1982, if you were into... Space aliens, um, you know, anything involved from, uh, you know, flying saucers, what have you. Mm-hmm. 82 was a year of riches. Not only do you get the two films that we're going to talk, uh-huh. but you also got Steven Spielberg's E.T. Eddie Torres. Is that one of his uh, assistant directors? Exactly. Is that, that's E.T. That is E.T. E.T. Uh-huh. E. is one of those movies that took the nation by storm. Oh, yeah. Everyone loved it. Little Everybody had little E.T.'s on their desk, those little like faux leather shits. We're all eating Reese's Pieces. Mm-hmm. E.T. fever, right? Well, you would think then that if you know America is embracing the cute little cuddly alien, maybe... They might want something a little less cute and cuddly. Maybe even possibly ooey gooey. And vile and vicious. Or squidly diddly. Mm -hmm. Which leads us to the next matchup. And my goodness, we've got a film that is one of the films. The all-timers. Right. And then the other one is John Carpenter's The the Thing. thing. John Carpenter's The Thing going up against Extro. Oh, good Lord. And another one. Genius McGee. 300 episodes in. Yes. We have not done an episode on The Thing. At all. Nope. But we have done, We have talked about Extro multiple times on this show. Multiple times. Where do we start? Do we start with Extro? Let's start with Extro. Oh, good Lord. What else more can we say? Uh, yeah. So uh, we talk <laughs> about the. So we talk about adding horror and sci-fi and ooey gooey. Well, let's add a kid's imagination and a homicidal little person clown. Well, you know what? I'd like to also add, if I could, if it's if it's possible, if the power of imagination can make it so. Mm-hmm. How about? A very creepy toy soldier yes. a la Tourist Trap. Uh-huh. Can I also get a human birthing scene? Yes. You know what? Yeah. Let's maybe have two. Can I possibly get, if I wanted to like make it a real specialty order, if I wanted like chopped up snake and my side salad, could I get that in this movie? Absolutely. There's nothing this movie doesn't provide. And I'll give you one of the creepiest shots you'll ever see of all time. One of the memes that will always go across social media. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of wonderful because that means 
a lot of people are probably familiar with Extro, even though if they don't they know don't it. They don't know. And because who that little snippet of the creeper in the woods oh. just scurrying around, as it, scary as it is, almost has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. No, that's the very that's the the starting form. That's just it. Yeah, at the beginning. And then the rest goes it gets weirder from there. Do you remember this was the closer? Of our, let's see here, that would have been probably fourth or, it was the sci-fi, fourth. Sci-fi, yeah. Sleazy sci-fi, our fourth mm-hmm. Nerdoween. We opened with uh, Terrorvision. We then followed up with From, From Beyond, Beyond. And then we closed out with X-Show. You guys want to get weird? It was a great time, a great time. But Our last movies are always the weirdest fucking ones. Have you noticed that? Yeah. The last movies of everything we do. All right, this one is terrifying. Woo, scared. This one is hilarious. Yay, it's funny. This one is weird. What? At the very end, you're like, what the fuck was that? But you'll always remember and you'll always be entertained. And well, honestly, we always then go back to, should we have restructured the order? Would that have played a little bit better? And we're always like, nah, fuck it. What's done is done. Let's get weird with it again. Well, we haven't learned our lesson. I mean, because like the end of it. So we had the end of it. We ended extra. What else did we end with? We ended with anguish. Anguish. Right? We ended with arachnophobia. Uh-huh. The so. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Yeah, which let's we get had weird. Walk out. Yeah. Let's get weird. And you can't get weirder than extra. But it's a little upsetting because the birthing scene. Yeah. That scene from this movie happens early on. Right. Practically at the beginning. All the disturbing, scary shit that's proper disturbing and scary and gross happens at the beginning. Then it gets extremely odd. It gets extremely odd. Chopped up snakes. Again, telepathic kids. Uh, evil soldiers. That fucking soldier was weird and scary because it it wasn't as scary as the scurry. It was a different type of inherent fear, and he's only there for a brief moment. The Panther, the same thing. Yeah, it's one of those movies that I think, as we saw, is best experienced viewing peripherally because and, and the French babysitter and her oh, comeuppance in the bathtub. Go, oh, and again, that was Olivia Diabo. I had quite the crush on her back in the day. She's rad. And movie, very contrast to what we're going to be seeing in the, the thing. Very, right. The thing is chased. <laughs> compared, compared to extra. Compared to extra. As strange as that is to say. Um, <laughs> good Lord. The way... The secret body horror of this movie when he is nibbling yeah. on his kid. And sucking it. Uh, the it's, vein pulsing. It's a it's secret body horror on top of everything else. Right. Well, I wouldn't even say it's secret. If you're it's, being yeah. if you're being man birthed, that's no secret, and that's some body horror right there. The fact that like he goes in and comes out, it's like oof. And what's crazy is much like a uh, basket case. This one also launched a franchise, yeah. an unlikely one. There are two more entries in the extra world. I haven't watched either. Neither have I. I still like even since we you know talked about on the main feed. I still haven't seen any of those yet, right? Because I I don't know. I'm just I don't know if I'm ready. I uh, and it, it's not going to be a movie for everyone. No, without a doubt. No. But for those of you, if you like it weird, you're going to like extra because it's do, weird. It is beyond freaking weird. Now, what is not weird? Well, you know what? It's really funny. The fact that I guess it is weird. What is truly weird that as much reverence we have for John Carpenter's The Thing, mm-hmm. it can technically be considered a box office failure. Absolutely. Now, especially now, but which is a shame. And you know what? 
this movie, The Thing, is probably one of the greatest. And this shows you the importance of the legacy of the films, that they are more than just their weekend gross or mm-hmm. just their f- first few months or their first few years. Here we are in 2022, like you said, talking about what some people consider the best film of horror. Yeah. The best film of John Carpenter, the best film of the horror film of the 80s, the, again, of all time. Yeah. This is somebody's favorite. Well, they're all favorite movies, somebody's favorite movies, even Extra. Mm-hmm. But oh, I think yeah, you're going to have more people. If we have a Venn diagram of people whose favorite <laughs> movies are Extra and people whose favorite movies are The Thing, they're not really going to be, there's not going to be a lot of overlap. You've got to get your micro, your, you know, your looking glass to see the overlap there. No, I agree. And that's because it's an amazing film. And 300 episodes in, why haven't we devoted an episode to it? Why have we done a commentary for it? I think because there's nothing else to say, really. I mean, like, what more could we add? Of I mean, besides like jokes and and giggles. But you know, the thing people can write think pieces on it. This is a capital L film to a lot of people. And again, it didn't do dick at the box office. It was skewered by the critics. But as soon as home video, people were like, "Holy shit, this movie is rad!" Plus, it's got Wilford Brimley in, and we haven't even started talking about Kurt Russell. We went straight to, "I'm all right, dude. Let me in." You know, and you know what? Speaking of, this movie has some of the best jump scares of all time. I know that fucking lab test jump scare is coming. I fucking know it. I can know it a mile away. It still makes me jump. And when we showed it on uh, 35 back oh, in the day, oh, yeah. like half the crowd fucking jumped at that. And everybody saw that movie before. You know, same thing that happened at Carpenter Fest. I mean, that movie still gets reactions from people. And it's still a major headliner in theaters. I remember watching it. I was able to see it with Amy for the first time on the big screen. And it scared the shit out of her. And it was one of those that stayed with her. And not the kind of person with that effect. So I love the infective power right? of the thing. Uh-huh. That's not to say anything of McReady's hat in this movie. They did a, a script reading where Barbara Crampton played McReady, and she had like multiple costume changes throughout. If you look somewhere online, you'll see her in like a beard. Did she the wear hat. the dirty long johns? It, they were all ripped. It was she's authentic. She's good that way. But this is a film that has reached and has made its way into the popular consciousness, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. And the reason that it I made video games, there's video games based on the thing. There's board games based on the thing, which we've played before. Sorry, Adrian. <laughs> Good job, Emmy. And it was just a blast. It's got we talked about the prequel uh, uh, last year in Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um the effects work of Rob Bottin, of course, is one of the main reasons why people either embraced the film or I think why they were repulsed by it. And they still hold up so well to this day. I mean, they're still ooey gooey. They're all practical. They look amazing. Both of these films are very ooey and gooey, um, but it, it's it's a masterpiece. And again, the score by Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. aping a John Carpenter film. Again, you all know everything about this movie. It's just one of my favorites. And strangely enough, it's just it cracks me up that the best line in the thing, you know, you got to be fucking kidding, could easily be described about extra. Yes, yes. So that being said, a lot of love with both of these films, but only one can advance into the round of the Scream 16. So in this case, Genius McGee, between the thing and extra, which one is closer to your heart? Oh, the thing. Okay. The thing. The extra is weird, and I dig weird. 
I like getting weird. I like watching weird. But, you know, the thing is the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Thing ring, do your thing. Thing ring, do my thing. And it's really tough for me as well because uh, the thing, John Carpenter, his movies have all been a part of my childhood. I was practically raised on all of those. Extra, a little bit newer to me, but definitely haven't seen it. Having seen its effect on people in a theater, it's tough. But yeah. This particular little element here is all about, you know, nostalgia and which one is closer to my heart. And quite honestly, the tagline of the thing, man is the warmest place to hide. That's truly closer to my heart. So Plus I've got to go. the poster. The breakout. The, the goddamn, just the title sequence. Right. Incredible. Incredible. It's so good. Now, that being said, from the heart to the head, the bracket topic, it came from outer space. How are we interpreting it? Genius, which one's going to get your vote? They're both weird things from outer space, right? But you have Extra that wants to make a family, and then you have the thing that wants to destroy everything. When I So twofold. When I think of something that's coming from outer space, they're coming to destroy, right? So not to, like, diddle, right? So... Well, I mean, maybe on some cases, it depends on what's coming from outer space. But at the same time, not to start a family. So uh, my vote is for the thing. Plus, the original was the thing from outer space. So uh. that's fair. That's fair. I'm going to go quite literal again with my interpretation of it came from outer space. And you mentioned the familial aspect. And technically... If we're talking terminology and what forth, you can't have a family without procreation. And procreation sometimes does come from that. And you get that in extra, which is why it's problematic and why you can, it can close out, uh, you know, a, a, a marathon weirdly. You don't get that kind of weirdness in the thing, although you could possibly interpret it a number of different ways itself. But for me, I'm going to go gross and... I guess it's because we were just at 42nd Street. I've got some of the beaded <laughs> curtain left on me. On me. <laughs> but by a count of three to one, make it. It's 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 it's, it's okay there, genius. It's, I'm all right. It's dude. all right. It's just oatmeal. It's biting its time into the round of the scream 16. <laughs> you know what? That would have been. That would have been. That would have been an upset. People would have thrown their phones down. Or if they're whatever they're listening to, fuck this shit. We would have lost our five listeners. Yeah, we would have. We or at least pissed them off royally. We lose street cred. But at the same time, yeah, I'm still thinking about it came from outer space. <laughs> That's sorry. That's gross. <laughs> hey, blame 42nd Street. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Now, going from the terror from above to something that, oh, man, can it just, I love the majesty of schoolhouse rock mm -hmm. the all the stuff that i learned via cool animation via cool catchy jingles oh yeah and we were talking off mic they actually put together this great like cover album of all the jingles but one of the ones that just always stood out to me is the majesty of numbers genius uh-huh we often talk of the magic of Five. What's five times five? Forty-five. The magic educations of the numbers. It's like Doug Henning. 
Magic. And what's part of uh, 45? Well, 45, there's nine. What's part of nine? Three. And three is the magic number. Yes, it is. Were you going to cue anything up? No. Okay. <laughs> we, you, we, you were just playing that off mic to, to get us into the mood? Right. That's perfect. I didn't know if you were actually going to try to cue that up. No, I was thinking about it, but I'm like, eh, we're going with this. Let's do it. Well, as much character work as we did uh, with the last four films, as much grime as we have from the last four films in terms of kind of 70s pieces, one of the things that really kind of makes the 1980s stand out in horror are the franchises. Mm -hmm. The fact, again, Basket Case has a franchise, but not everyone knows Basket Case has a franchise. No, no. You know, Extra yeah. has a franchise. Not everyone knows Extra has a franchise. However, we always want to be normie friendly when mm -hmm. it comes to Into the Mouth of March Madness, which means we are looking at two films. Two big threes. Two big threes, yeah, of the big three. We're looking at Friday the 13th, part three. 3D mm -hmm. going up against Halloween three season of the witch. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> like, no, don't do it. No, oh, he's, he's already gone. I already into broke it. the seal. I didn't break it all the way though. I just chipped off a little bit of a uh, stonehenge. Well, and it's, it's, there are multiple franchises that we haven't talked about that usually end up as honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. And I know that upsets a lot of people because if we're talking about, at least eight deserving films from the year of 1982. That's a hard one to do. Yeah. Just like our selection episode. It was rough. Oh, it's very rough. Again, I'm having a lot of choosers remorse, but if we didn't have both of these films on this one, they're two of the big icons. Well, yeah. two of the big names. There's a lot to be said about both of these. So which do we start with genius? Do we go at camp crystal Lake or do we head over to no, we start with Friday the 13th, part three, because oh you know what? Fuck Shelly. Well, and immediately I knew what the bumper was going to be for this one. You talk about stuff that is interweaved in the DNA of our podcast, be it the references. From like episode five. I'm pretty sure that's when it was established, probably back in Nerds of Nostalgia Day. Probably. <laughs> because I'll... Again, a number of one of the reasons we our friendship blossomed, I think, was our love of the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, especially early on, and obviously it's a learning thing, your deep-seated hatred. Fuck that dude, Shelly. Shelly sucks. Fuck Shelly. Not Larry Zerner, ladies no, and no. gentlemen. Larry Zerner is a very wonderful man. Yes. I mean, I met him personally, and he's a really gregarious dude i mean he, he's a really good dude and he's smart as a whip and he's and a fucking entertainment lawyer he's an easter egg in birds of prey yeah he is her, her business card that's him it's yeah larry he is. zerner and he's been doing the friday the 13th fan yeah. uh, uh world of good as being like a legal interpreter for what's going on with the yeah. shit yeah. right now so yeah much much kudos to larry zerner he's a rad dude that being said Fuck Shelly. He is a disappointment and a disgrace to all funny big dudes because, like, he had the total chance to win the girl. I mean, he was right fucking there. She was digging it. He was cool. Then he fucked it up by pulling pranks. I never have sympathy for the pranksters. Jokesters, yes. Comedians, yes. Pranksters, no. So we have a hierarchy of the shenanigans Pranks or the employer of shenanigans in horror yes absolutely if if you're if you're a funny person by 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 being just naturally funny or jokes cool but if you're pulling pranks fuck you so they are the bottom of it at yeah, this point yeah that's like pulling pranks on people is never cool and so like yeah so no i don't have no sympathy for him but people will argue genius 
He's the one that gives us the mask. Yeah, but you know what? Jason could have found the mask anywhere. We saw it in the remake. He only brought the mask so he could scare people. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a hockey mask somewhere. One Crystal Lakes in New Jersey. You know, there's some hockey masks around there somewhere. So like, yeah, he gave the mask. He just facilitated. That's fair. That's fair. And so is it safe to assume then based on your dislike of the character of Shelly, is this your least viewed entry of the of the Friday the 13th franchise. I would say so. This is I the one you come so. back to the least. And like as much as I like like hokey 3D effects and shit, I just think some of them were like some of them I was like, eh, okay." You know, but it was I take I take I run resend that hokiness back cuz that was part of the charm of it. Because I remember vividly, vividly going to the 7-Eleven down over here so I can buy a Slurpee because if you bought a Slurpee, you would get the 3D glasses. And on Channel 62, they were having Friday the 13th in 3D. Well, at the time, my TV kind of sucked, so it didn't quite work right. But every now and then, like, ooh, the snake would come out of the of the rabbit coop and the and the uh, yo-yo would come down. And then if you were lucky, if it was like late night one, then the eye would come out and you'd see that and it was cool. So I do remember that. And as much shit as I give Shelly, there was a lot of cool aspects of it, but it is my least viewed one because it does bring up ire. And if I'm not ready for those hokey 3D shenanigans, then I'm like, man, this is whack. If I'm already in a bad mood with yeah, Shelly, you know what I'm saying? No, because like, if I'm in a bad, it's, it's easy to tr- get me in a bad mood with a movie, but it's hard to get me back up out. It's doable. It's extremely doable. But once I'm like, well, and it's really funny. The fact you mentioned about how Larry Zern himself is an awesome individual and you had the chance to meet him and talk with him. Do you remember that screening at the draft house? Yeah. Oh, that was rough. there, There had to been some like miscommunication going on. We were there. It was one of those where it wasn't necessarily a roast of a film. It was, or maybe it was. Well, it was. Well, he, Doug yeah. Benson came. No, was it, it was no, no. It, it was, was uh, it was uh, two comedians, and Larry Zerner. Right. I can't remember the names of them, but rather than talking, you know, making fun of the movie or doing like you know whatever they do, but they ended up like turning on Larry Zerner himself. Yeah. And it made it really kind of uncomfortable, or at least at least I felt it was. Right. See, I can't. If I'm watching it with Larry Zerner, it would be really hard pressed, especially if I'm watching it. I'm like, man, fuck you, Shelly. You know what I'm saying? Like, why'd you do that? You know, and he's like, dude, I'm right here. It wasn't that bad, but it definitely felt a little bit awkward. And I think maybe the comedians, I think everybody had a little bit of too much fun. Yeah. And so I think that's I think that's one thing. But I I don't think he was expecting a roast. I think he was actually having expecting maybe like a commentary. That's what I discussion yeah. and just didn't kind of pan out the way Larry Zerner was hoping for again. Miscommunications. But at least he was cool about it. Yeah. Again, you know, at the very at the end. It wouldn't, so, yeah, it was it was cool. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Uh, some pretty good kills in here. Obviously, the cleaving down the middle is pretty mm-hmm. great. And the reveal at the end. This has probably the perviest jason of the franchise and he's got a couple of creepy smiles especially at the end when he starts banging at the window and he's just oh it's one of those that just terrifies me yeah i don't know but i'm also the fact that we've done a plethora 
of commentaries of the Friday the 13th franchise, part three is one that you know we've basically run the gamut. That will probably end up being the last one, I would have imagined. The last one we've done, but you know it'll probably be like the funniest because I'm just like, man, fuck that. Or just if you like to hear me go on uh, profanity-laden tirades. One, if you don't, I don't know why you're listening. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, I'm not going to say that's not your thing, my friend. But <laughs> but at the same time, you know it's because my ire on Shelly is going to be in full force. That is fair. That is fair. So final thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D. Aside from Shelly, I dug it. Yeah. It's actually, now that I've got some distance from it, I do. Fi- I really appreciate just the fact that they couldn't get uh, Amy Steele back, so let's just bring back all new people. We'll mm-hmm. slaughter them. We'll have a good time. Well, going from, and honestly, again, this is also, it continued to launch the franchise, and everyone knows Jason with the high, hockey mask. Right. So part three did its job. Now, our other film <laughs> did a lot of things and is another film that definitely found its audience later in life. But but it made a lot of people like me with Shelley. A lot of people will say F Halloween 3 Season mm-hmm. of the Witch. A lot of people will still today say F Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. But I say that's bullshit. I say that's bullshit because if you're just pissed off because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it, I think you're missing the point. You know, look at it as Season of the Witch, not Halloween 3. You might dig it. Now, if you do it like that and then you're pissed off, I don't know what to tell you because I dig the shit out of this movie. Oh, well, this, it's got robo cretins in it. And this is another one that we actually did a commentary for that's still available on the main feed and a film that we both genuinely enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I won't lie, it, I did come to it late in life because... Me too. I was When I first saw it, I was like, man, fuck this. It doesn't have Michael Myers in it. I want to see Halloween movies, especially part three, and especially because how much I like part two, then I definitely want to see the further adventures of Michael Myers. And the fact that we get this non-Michael Myers thing, I could see where when I first saw it, I was pissed off because it doesn't say anything about any uh, any that it's not no of course not i mean people are just assuming that if you're calling it halloween three it's gonna have michael myers he's in gonna it. somehow be involved with witches cool right and even before the internet existed there was word of mouth that halloween three is the one without michael myers mm-hmm. people just knew that and it's a damn shame it did get a bad rap because i think held on its own accords the collaborative efforts of one tommy lee wallace it's uh, time that's right, kids. The fact that Dean Cundy shot the film. Yeah, gorgeously. And just Colonel Cochran as one of the all-time greats. The fact that he's like turning kids' faces into terrariums with snakes and spiders and shit. It's all for the children. You and know, it was great. With just such scary glee. He's so good in the movie. You've got Tom Atkins as the... The doctor detective. As as Tom Atkins. It's just <laughs> He's hard drinking, banging people as half his age, having a road trip, like solving mysteries and shit. I totally want the Tom Atkins Chronicles. You throw him in a van with the Scooby-Doo cane. Exactly. Well, he'd be, first of all, he'd probably have to meet you later because him and uh, Daphne are having a drink in the back, right? And then he'll come up on adventures and solve whatever crimes you have. And then Fred's going to talk shit. Tom Atkins will put him in his place. Yes, he will. Not even have to not even have to hit throw a punch. Just start flexing that chussel. Fucking it's Tom Atkins. 
if he can take on an army of robo cretins if he can if he can like take on ghouls and snips and snails and all kinds of crazy shit fucking he's tom atkins this movie is so mean and it's wonderfully Stephen mean. King approved. Super Stephen King approved. I love the fact that you're dealing not only with like witches and, and, and magic and shit, but also technology. Masks that shoot lasers into your eyeballs and all sorts of madness. And Stonehenge. Right. And Stonehenge. This, and our drunk protagonist. It throws so many different things into this movie. I can totally understand that back in 1982... I can see going to the theater and people going, what the fuck is this? I wanted to see Michael Myers. And meanwhile, I got uh, like robo cretins, masks and witches and warlocks and shit. I could speak warlock is actually one of the robo cretins. There we go. (laughs) Perfect. So we got Michael. There's your Michael Myers in the movie. Boom. So. Plus, he's on the TV. He is on the TV. So you got your Michael Myers covered. And Jamie Lee is the voice of the 6 o'clock time yes. for curfew. So it's got your Easter eggs in there if you want it. But it, there's a reason why, though, people have come around to it. And it's found its audience because... Yeah, because it wasn't later until I'm like, okay, cool. I already have my Michael Myers return of Michael Myers. So now I can see this movie without having that Michael Myers stigma on it and see it for what they really wanted to go for, which is a Halloween anthology, which I still want to this day. I still think it would be dope to have, like, called something another Tales of Halloween or some shit like that, and then just have a different horror movie where the theme is Halloween and it's scary shit produced by the same people. That'd be fucking rad. If Carpenter could do that shit again, i totally see Carpenter's uh, Halloween anthology. Yeah. No, Let's I'm, kick it. You know? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think we're back in that camp. Uh, there, there are more than dozens of it at this point. Now, I definitely say a lot of like and love in both of these films, but only one, of course, can advance into the round of the Scream 16. So, Genius McGee, which one, Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D, or Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, is closer to your heart? See, here's where I'm drawn on this one. Because I remember the the going to get the 3D glasses vividly, and it, I loved it. It was mm-hmm. such a fun time. As much as my bile and hatred for the movie was, I still had a good time with that. But I think, like, and it took me a little bit later to grow to love Halloween 3. But I think that I'm going to say Halloween 3 because... My love is for the Halloween three is bigger than my hatred for Hollow or for Friday three, so I think love conquers all on this one. And I'm gonna say for closer to the heart, I'm gonna go Halloween three. I like that man. I like to see that the heart and soul that is Genius McGee. <laughs> you know, you're like the Grinch, my friend. Uh, I also this is one that um, I'm looking more back at the VHS covers with these two because. The Friday the 13th series, I think I mentioned this before, my dad was a volunteer firefighter at uh, Stanley, Kansas, and at the fire station, someone there was a horror fan because they had all the Friday the 13th VHSs. So the covers were always kind of haunting because back in the day I was pretty much a coward. I didn't really embrace horror till later in life. But the Halloween 3 one, 
with the the orange background and the elongated the elongated kind of, trick-or-treaters oh it's they're gorgeous and of course not appreciating who dean cundy was at the time but there's just something about that that still makes me feel warm and cozy yet haunted and creepy it's wonderfully so nostalgic so yeah. i'm also going to go with halloween three now going from the heart to the head the bracket topic is three is the magic number yeah it is genius how are we breaking that one down so again, this one's a difficult one too because three you have Friday Thirteenth Part Three you have the magic of three D. Behold the wonders in your face, right? But I'm gonna say Halloween Three because you're dealing with magic. You're dealing with magic and witches and Dick Warlock and Stonehenge. You can't get more magical than ancient magical druids. So. For three is the magic number. I'm going to go Halloween three. I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to click copy and paste because I basically had the exact same answer. It's I got to go literal with this one. Yeah, it's magic. And by a count of four votes to zero, making its way into the round of the Scream 16 is Halloween three season of the witch. Awesome. I don't. I, there's some Friday fans out there that are probably a little upset. And you know what? Three is another magic number for Halloween because that's the one that really split fans. Because yeah. if you don't like Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, you still probably are going to stick with the franchise and like, yeah, that's cool. But like, hmm. there are people who dismiss Halloween Three like completely, oh, completely from the franchise, like it never existed. Like, like that like Thanos just snapped it out of existence. Friday the 13th part 3 hasn't been snapped out of existence please continue to enjoy it yes it's a great it's a good movie it's very good it's very good and speaking of good our final matchup here in the year of 1982 we often talk about the miracle of any film getting made but it's usually through the power of so many different people coming together and collaborating and therefore our final bracket topic is killer collaborations and either of these films, again, if we had left any of these two off, people would be pissed. Shenanigans would have been called. Mm, the, the mob would be forming right out the side of the window right now. Right. And both of these films feature some killer collaborations. We're talking Tobey Hooper's Poltergeist and George A. Romero's Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Genius, which do we start with first? Ooh, let's get down with the freaky feelings. <laughs> my favorite i'll go back to it time and time again that moment when they're both on the bed she's rolling the joint he's reading the book about reagan and they just they're just all existing it's just such a nice little quiet moment with the freelings but see that pisses me off though that scene because he's rolling slop you know so like he's he's over there making a joint on a fucking blanket no nothing underneath it Right. No, she's making the nothing underneath it. He's over there reading the Reagan book. She, he's rolling it up, or rolling it up, and and there's shit everywhere. I mean, and that's one of those like seventy shaggy carp. Uh, uh, oh, forget blankets, about it. Yeah. Right. There's no way you're getting that shit out of there. Wasteful. Waste not, want not. Freaky freelings. Well, they're they're very much there in the suburbs. Genius. They've got a good life going on there. Still, that's party abuse. That's a that that's drug abuse. That's what that is. Wow, I didn't think this would go put you down that avenue, man. My goodness. I mean, it's just something that, you know, it, like like Dustin with his, like, that is not how an air hammer works, right? Or whatever the fuck he's talking. I don't know what he ever said. He's fucking, you know what I'm saying? Drill bits and fucking, 
table saws and whatnot. I don't know. But he is always saying that's not how miter saws work. Cool. Well, you know what? I'm sure I'm like, you... like, don't roll slop. Just don't, don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't be wasteful with your shit. I'm assuming, you know what? I didn't see a pineapple on the front door of their house, <laughs> so I'm sure you won't be invited over. You're fine there, genius. Unless you got your little rake there going, oh, waste not, want not. <laughs> Getting some duct tape. Well, anytime that you can have someone yelling at James Karen and have him react accordingly. It's great. Anytime you can have that. Anytime you can have like Zelda Rubenstein not oh. want your eyes. <laughs> anytime you get the guy in Prince of Darkness the one that is outside going, hello, I've got a message for you and you're not going to like it. He's the guy at the very beginning on the bicycle with the beers. That's right. Yes. This movie has so many of those just deep pulls of character actors from genre. But more importantly, this is Toby Hooper's. This People forget that this is Toby Hooper's movie. Mm-hmm. He directed this. We're going to talk about collaborations later. Yes. But it is directed by Toby Hooper. But we've talked about the Steven Spielberg films that he's produced. And it'll stay like Steven Spielberg presents. Yes, or presents. Yeah. Explorers, The Goonies. Gremlins. Gremlins. Collaborated with a lot of films. And I will always say Gremlins is directed by Joe Dante. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Back to the Future directed by uh, Richard Zemeckis. Zemeckis, yes. But we, you got the, you know the touch of Spielberg and yeah. his influence and the stuff, his aesthetics and his style, and I, you can feel it both in Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. But I feel a lot of Toby Hooper in Poltergeist. Here's the thing: the family aspect is all Spielberg. Mm-hmm. The horror is all <laughs> Hooper. And for the other thing, I think people are put off by is the PG rating. This is pretty hardcore PG horror. I see on the Facebooks all the time. Oh, there's no such thing as good PG horror, you know, or like PG PG horrors for kids. This is technically you can show the family, but there is some genuinely disturbing, scary shit in this movie. The combination of practical and optical effects uh, mm-hmm. by Richard Edlund, uh, who had, had worked with like George Lucas and ILM, is just such a great. That's another great collaboration, actually. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, there are moments in this movie that have just haunted me from the get-go, from the uh, the visage of Carol Ann in front of the TV to the Jerry Goldsmith score, the Carol Ann theme. La, la. That, it's supposed to be beautiful, but winds up being fucking haunting, <laughs> fucking scary. It's right up there with like the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. La, 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 la. Oh, like, God damn it, stop it. You know? Not Stephen King approved, but I'm sure he dug the film regardless. But definitely Hooper approved because oh. he puts people through the ringers in puts, his movies. He puts little kids in danger in a yes, lot of his films. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Go back to our very first Into the Mouth of March Madness. They're eating, eating alive. Right? Plus, he likes to like get people slimy oh, and just look. like a lot of a lot of goo. And, a, get, and again, a lot of good scares. A lot of very good scares. The face rip alone. And we know who the fans are, right? Yeah, Spielberg yeah. himself. Fucking um, the creepy tree, the evil clown. There's a lot of good scares. We've got, we've got some smaller clowns in the year of 1982 into mm-hmm. the mouth of March yeah, Madness. Yeah, we do. God, what is with the residue from the, from the clowns from January, man? They just like, you know, sometimes when a clown leaves, you just sometimes there's paint left over. That's what happens. 
That's what happens. Uh, other thoughts on Tobey Hooper's Poltergeist Genius? Mm, no, I enjoy it. I, I think if people say there's no such thing as good PG horror, boom, right here. Yep. Well, it's going from PG to something a little bit more adult. Don't let go. You have to be this high to watch uh, Ed Harris dance. Uh, my goodness. This is another film that I think has found its way into the DNA of the show. This was one of those mm-hmm. like definitely initial films that we bonded over. Yeah. It was like Linnea, horror comedies. Creep show. Yes. This is what's funny, too. We've done a commentary for Creep Show 2. Yeah. I think we've done a What's the Score for Creep Show. Yeah, we have. Did we? I think we did an episode back within our first 10. Yes, we did because we did. We were trying we to do did Creep Show 1 and 2. Yeah. We and basically broke it down. A my little goodness. Bit, but yeah. But that was a long time mm-hmm. ago. And. And I'm always down for Creep Show. This film also capped off our third Nerdoween. Yeah, it ended the night. anthology. The weirdest one. Again, weird, weird synergy with this. Needless to say, we love Creep Show. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the go-to for horror anthologies. The 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 crowning jewel of horror anthologies. And much like with people forget that Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist, a lot of people forget that this is in George A. Romero's filmography. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and Stephen King. Yes. He's going to scare the hell out of you. <laughs> and he's going to act the hell out of this. Meteor shit. Playing How playing often? the part he was born to play, a bumpkin. <laughs> a and big bumpkin. Should be noted, I tried to to dress up as Jody Verrill uh, for our sleazy sci-fi nerdoween. We were bumpkins yeah. at that point. And the only thing is, though, man... I feel bad for that bumpkin by the end. Me too. You feel pathos and th- sympathy for him. Right after, like, oh, Mr. Verrill, that thumb's going to have to come off. Oh, God. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, you feel so bad for him. And by the time the turn happens and he's... The end of it, you're heartbroken. You're like, oh. Because he did nothing wrong. No. You know, no. normally they're morality tales. And this one... He really didn't do anything wrong except maybe the sin of curiosity. Certainly. Well, as we've seen, terror from above, you have to be careful when it comes to meteor shit. To meteor shit. shit. And then you have uh, the crate. Fluffy. Mm -hmm. Fluffy has scared the shit. Fluffy is one of those that also scared the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, my God. I was terrified. And then you've seen people react to um, the last one. Of course, of course. It's just this squiddly diddly. It's scurry is scary. It's bugs. It's roaches coming out of your mouth. And what is his name? He plays just the, a great racist. He's one G, of those. Edward G, not Edward G. Robinson. He's uh, an old school Hollywood yeah. actor. Well, it's filtered with old school Hollywood actors. Ed Harris actors. is over there dancing around disco. Don't let go. Do, 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 do. Go back uh, to last year's Panic Film Fest live episode where we had people recreate that as best they could. There's there is a great Facebook site called Ed Harris from Creepshow dances to different music every day, and every day they'll post a video of him dancing to different things. One time he danced it to like "Shake It Off" from Taylor Swift, and it always stops his when with the uh, ant coming in, turn that shit off, and then it just clicks off. Don't let go. But the original is rad. They had him dancing to um, Radiohead. Any song you can think of. It works. Fucking Selena's. He's over there dancing. Ed Harris dance moves are immortal, my friend. I'm telling you. Uh, you've got Leslie Nielsen 
playing, playing a, a bad guy, yeah. playing a bad guy, killing Ted Danson. You Dude. have the great work of Savini. Uh, Savini. I mean, you have all uh, sorts of great shit. It's this is there's a reason it's one of our favorites. Uh, now that being said, as much as we love both of these films, only one can make its way into the next round. So genius. Between Poltergeist and Creepshow, which of the two is closer to your heart? I know I saw Poltergeist in the theater. I know I did not see Creepshow in the theater. I saw Creepshow 2 in the theater. However, seeing Creepshow upon subsequent viewings later on, anthologies are my shit. I eat that shit up with a spoon. And Creepshow is one of the best. So for that reason alone, I'm gonna go for my head. I love creep or heart. I love creep show. I love that movie. That's fair. That's fair. And this one is really tough for me because I genuinely love both of these films. Uh, Poltergeist was I did a double feature way back in the day when I was still doing like mar- marathons and movie nights at my house. Mm-hmm. Before I did actual an actual like four film marathon, I used to do double features every weekend. And one of the weekends uh, was Poltergeist and Ghostbusters. And I actually had different flavors of jello molds and shots for the different films. Like it was red for Poltergeist and green for Ghostbusters. Nice. It was pretty good. So always had a real close relationship with Poltergeist. But there's a moment I was vacationing down in Disney World in Florida. And I was on one of the shuttles on my way up to Disney World. And in the background and the music... I hear this, and I'm like, is that the creep show theme? And I'm looking around, and I'm trying to get some recognition. Like, does anyone know this? Right. And I didn't say anything, but it was the creep show theme. It was so random. Was it during a scary time of the year? Not at all. No? Not at so all. Nothing, and you weren't going like by the Haunted Mansion or nothing oh. like that? So just random creep. That would freak me the fuck out. That would freak me the fuck out. I would be looking for Tom Atkins and a, and, a, and a voodoo doll. Or I'd be looking for like a crate or some shit. It's like Leslie Nielsen with the camera. But there was there was just something about that that was so wonderful, random, and weird. But all, again, so familiar and just gave me that warm feeling. So because of that experience, I'm definitely going to go with Creepshow as being closer to the heart. But from the heart to the head, let's look at the bracket topic and... We said killer collaboration, mm-hmm. genius. So how are we going to break that one down? So here's what I'm thinking. For a collaboration to really be a good killer collaboration, and everything has to work well like a well-oiled machine, and everybody kind of has to know what they're doing and what flavors they're wanting and thing. I think because to this day there's still debate whether who did poltergeist and who didn't do poltergeist or what part i think that's going to be one issue but what the fact that you have stephen king who wrote the stories and starring in it working with george romero and then forming a wonderful continuing collaboration again bringing in civilian i think all three with king romero and uh, Savini, you know what parts they were playing, and they were firing on all cylinders. And I think they all worked well together. I don't know if the same can be said for uh, the Poltergeist set, but I think for that reason, that one makes it a killer collaboration. All right. That is definitely showing your work. And, yeah, there's, listen, there's beyond the whole did Toby Hooper direct Poltergeist or did Steven Spielberg direct it? 
outside of that, you've got the whole poltergeist curse, which is, of course, right. happenstance more than anything. That's not an actual curse. But, man, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that came from this film. Mm-hmm. It's, and they, they both both movies started franchises. Yes, they yes, they did. That's another and thing. And TV series. Both did. They veer into TV series. Yeah. People just can't get enough of ghosts and anthologies. Right. Well, that being said, though, like you mentioned, there is no dispute between who directed Creepshow, who wrote it. Everyone kind of knew what there was. Like you said, the relationship just blossomed and it was wonderful. And because of that, my vote also goes to Creepshow. And oh, my goodness. By a vote of four to zero. Oh, I think we're going to piss people off of that one. Creeping its way into the round of the Scream 16 is Creepshow, which means our matchups here for the round of the Scream 16. Oh, boy. We've got Basket Case going up against The Thing. You know, which makes sense because Basket Case kind of looks like something that fell off of The Thing. Have to remember to break that one out again. I, I can't disagree with that. And then Halloween three going up against Creep Show. Oh boy. Ooh. That's tough. Ooh. Ouch. There's a reason we call this into the mouth of March Madness, because the madness just keeps escalating into each round. And had we recorded this yesterday. It might have been different. We if recorded tomorrow. It tom- yeah. Right, if we recorded it in March, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, we finally we finally learned after six years of this. But we showed our work, and damn it, it's now recorded, so it's canon. It's canon. It's canon. Well, all you have to wait is just a scant four days, as on Friday we are going to be releasing our episode that has the round of the Scream 16 and the round of the Hateful Eight. But more importantly, of course, are the special guests that we're going to be bringing in to help us. Talk about these wonderfully weird, wild, and horrific films from 1982. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Viva the madness! Viva the madness!